You are tuned in to The T-Side, a podcast where we talk total health, life lessons, and music. I'm your host, licensed therapist, doula, and music enthusiast, Tanya D. Now let's get into it. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The T-Side Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya D. Thank you for stopping by to take a listen. If you like what you hear, I hope you come back and make sure you tell someone about the podcast. If you're not new, welcome back. I would like to hear from you, especially after today's episode. It's going to be a good one. So feel free to just leave me an email at theteesidepodcast at gmail.com. And I'm sure if you saw the title, today's episode is Let's Talk About Sex. So that's what we're going to do. Actually, this song is very familiar to me. So today's theme song is Let's Talk About Sex by Salt and Pepper. And the lyrics that always stick in my head, I don't know why, is let's talk about sex. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about it. So here's the thing. I'm Generation X. This new territory for us, we don't talk about sex, which is actually the song. Salt and Pepper wrote the song. It came out in 1990 actually, on their Black's Magic album, I believe. But they wrote it because nobody was talking about sex and they were trying to normalize it. But if you really understand Generation X, we grew up with minimal supervision. So basically, we were given high-level instruction and left to figure it out on our own. So, you know, basically latchkey kids. You were given the key, told, go in the house, Call me when you get in the house. Don't open the door for anybody. Do your homework. And then you had the questions like, but what if you just had to figure it out? Nobody really told you. Now, in the case of sex, we had a lot of experimentation, but nobody ever told us anything about sex. They didn't talk about the birds and the bees. I believe I was 14 and my talk was, do you need to be on birth control? Um, no, what? It was crazy. I was told, don't get pregnant because you're still going to go to school. Okay. All right. But I was lucky enough to at least have a mom that said, do you need to be on birth control? Okay, you don't. Let me know when you feel like you need to be. So. At 16, when I was, when I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, maybe I should be, I don't know. And she took me and I got on birth control. Didn't do anything for quite a while, but she was open to that. We still never talked about it. (laughs) I'm going on 50. We still don't really talk about it. (laughs) It's crazy, but that's kind of where I am. And after talking with my friends, I realized that's kind of where they are too. They got kids, they got grandkids. We don't really talk about it. So when it was time for them to talk to their kids, you know, when they had girls that were starting their cycle, they were like, oh my God, I don't really know what to say. That's kind of when we realized we didn't know anything because nobody told us. So today, since I'm not really familiar with talking about it. I brought in somebody who can help us talk about it. (laughs) Um, 
And this beautiful young lady is a sexologist. Her name is Bree Tyner. Sorry for the long intro, but Bree, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what made you become a sexologist? Yes. So um, again, my name is Bree Tyner. I am a sexologist. Specifically, I am a pleasure-oriented sexologist because I feel like that is an aspect. Anytime that we learn about sex, it's like keep it educational or just promote, don't do it, <laughs> you know? Right. So it's, that's a whole other ball game when it comes to pleasure. And, and, and we're going to get into that a little later, I hope so. But um, I'm a pleasure-oriented sexologist. My whole brand is to just promote sexual health and wellness um, and normalize discussing sex and sexuality without the shame. Because mm -hmm. like you said, you come from a generation of, you didn't talk about it. And no. my generation, I'm that last grouping of a millennial. So mm -hmm. I have like that overload of information and resources. And, you know, we do live in a current period where sexuality is a little bit more accepted and it's a little bit more common um, for people to express themselves sexually. But the actual discussion of sex and sexuality, it's still pretty taboo. Uh, so the reason I became a sexologist is because I became aware of that issue pretty early on. Um, from my own personal background, I grew up in a Pentecostal household. My dad was a minister. Mm. So we didn't talk about sex. And the times that we did talk about sex, it was heavily like biblical based. Um, stay away from it. Don't do it. Save yourself <laughs> from marriage. That's right. it. Didn't even get the option of, you know, if you do it, just don't get pregnant. Like it was just a nah. <laughs> right. You know, we're not going into detail about it. Uh, but for a lot of people, and in my case specifically, that didn't stop. Like, you know, I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of intrigue. And I was curious about not just, you know, the aspect of intercourse or having sex, but just everything else that surrounds it. Because right. sex itself is a pretty broad subject. Like, there's a lot that goes into sexuality. So um, I've always been a very non-judgmental person and mm -hmm. been open to discussing all things sexual. So um, I just felt like finding out that this is an actual career, mm -hmm. it just felt natural to go down okay. that route. So now I'm here. So what did you do to become a sexologist? Did you take courses or? Yes, yes. So um, I have a psychology degree and I always knew that I wanted to go into therapy. Mm -hmm. So um, figuring out what I want to specialize in as a therapist that's mm -hmm. when I found, you know, sex therapy and I took mm -hmm. courses on that um, in undergrad. And then now um, I've also have completed a master program. Um, so I got a certification in sexology. So awesome. um, with that, you know, I don't know, I can continue, but that's kind of like open the air what I want to do after, you know, completing that master's and everything. But mm -hmm. um, for now, you know, I'm just offering up my services as a sexologist, you know, doing the education heavily um, on social media and offering, you know, myself for consultations and things like that. Okay. Yeah. And as a therapist, I do know that there are people who specialize in it. They have people, usually when they think about sex and therapy, they think of somebody with a sex addiction, but- mm -hmm. 
to be honest, that's totally different. That's separate. And they actually have, like yourself, people who specialize in discussions of sex. It's nothing sexual. It's being comfortable with yourself and, you know, being a trauma survivor and a doula. I know that can be a big issue, you know, just being comfortable with intimacy. Yeah. And especially if you're not comfortable with yourself, mm-hmm. you're not going to be comfortable with anybody else. And working with a therapist can help you with that. And after you have your baby, being comfortable with your body, because there are changes that go on. So, And there will always be changes. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, definitely. So I just thought that was really interesting. And she did not mention, but when she talked about being on social media, I actually found this lady as part of a group I'm in with the podcast. She, her podcast is called The Queen Collective. Yes, yes. So you definitely <laughs> have to check it out. Her and her co-host, JJ, I think yes, your name JJ is. JJ is my best friend. Okay. Yeah, they are hilarious. They are hilarious. You definitely have to check them out. But she'll give you all of her socials at the end. Do you find that there are a lot of people the majority of people just aren't comfortable with their bodies or talking Um, about sex, or do you find people now mostly are comfortable talking about it? I find, um, it is really interesting because I've recently have like rebranded my social media to where it's just my sexology page. So I do a lot of interactive activities and things like that. A lot of polls and questions, open Mm -hmm. myself up for Q and A's in case people have like any sexual concerns that Mm -hmm. they would like answered. So, um, in the weeks that I've been doing that, I found that a lot of people they're comfortable with, you know, giving their experiences but not so much actively discussing it if that makes (laughs) sense like if I lead with something like tell me a time when you did this sexually like everyone's all for it but then when it comes to like what are you actually concerned about it's like okay (laughs) (laughs) so I I I really do believe that even though you know we live in a a a time and age of social media where a lot of things are sexualized and it's a, a lot more acceptable um people still aren't comfortable with talking Mm -hmm. about it Mm -hmm. so um it is really interesting honestly and like you said like the importance of building that confidence because in any area or aspect in your life you know if you don't have that self-esteem like it's gonna affect you it's gonna affect your interpersonal relationships it's gonna affect your work life it's gonna affect you know your family things like that so from a sexual aspect, a lot of people leave that part out because when we talk about, you know, being healthy, you, you think of physical health and mental health. And then right. when you think of like sexual health is just, you know, that little small corner at the bottom where it's just, you know, getting regularly checked for STDs and, and all that. Right. Like it's so much more to it. They're all, you know, equally important. Um, But yeah, all in all, I really do feel like a lot of people really aren't that comfortable with discussing it, even though it is important to discuss. Right. And that's why on my podcast, we talk total health, Mm -hmm. talk all things health, because your health really does include everything and your sexual health, that impacts a lot of other things. So yeah, specifically, if you have a partner and you have an STD, if you're not even comfortable talking about it, you're not going to be comfortable telling 
your partner, I think I might have or anything mm-hmm. like that. And you might just avoid having sex because you have a yeast infection or you have something going on that you don't even know what it is. And then that's a breakdown in communication and that just snowballs in the whole different. Now you're having tension in the relationship and right. everyone's wondering what's going on. Right. Like, are you cheating? Why don't you want to sleep with me? It's like, slow yeah. down, slow down. It's like it it becomes a bigger issue than it needs to be mm-hmm. instead of just talking about it. I know because, again, that whole Generation X, HIV and AIDS came about pretty much 80, 81, I believe, when the first cases were found. Mm-hmm. And it was basically, you know, gay people had it. But it became a whole campaign because then Magic Johnson got it and then Easy e died from it. Like it, it became a whole thing. And then people were getting tested. And I remember when I got my first test, I was like, oh, Lord, Jesus, this is stressful. I ain't done nothing that I feel like I would even get it. But it was just so stressful. Mm-hmm. Then people got more comfortable with it. And then some people were like, show me your STD and your test results before we even do anything. So people got more comfortable with that. But I think now that's kind of gone by the wayside too. So that's yeah. the only aspect people were comfortable with talking about it for a short period of time, but they still don't talk about it. But yeah, when I would work with the young ladies, I <laughs> people always be like, Miss Tanya, you crazy. I might be, but I'm <laughs> like, if you're going to do it, I'm going to need you to know. If you see bumps when you down there, you trying to give head to somebody, I'm going to need you to know what you're looking at. And, the, and that's what it is. And that's what it mostly is. Yeah. Just, you know, because a lot of people are afraid to ask those questions. So like with me posting about, you know, constantly different, you know, concerns and things like that, there might be a person they don't feel comfortable going to get checked or they don't feel comfortable, you know, asking someone professionally about what's going on. And they see that and they find that comfortability from that. Like, oh, okay, right. This, this, this is a thing. Other people experience this. And I think that's a really important aspect as well. Like speaking more about it brings more awareness. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's any case bringing awareness and, you know, when more people hear about something, they feel more comfortable to talk about it. They feel more comfortable to take action. Right. Let me go on your page because there were some, like you said, you do a lot of interactive things. I need to learn how to be more creative and interactive on social media, but you have a whole section with activities and you talk about a lot of different myths and versus facts. And so Mm -hmm. that's always cool. Um, And it's interesting to see the answers that people gave, like, I think the one that most people got right was that decongestants can cause vaginal dryness. Most, mm-hmm. I think 73% of people said yes, because basically, yes, that it dries you out. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> but some um, people didn't know that too. I was one about, oh gosh, it was so hilarious. I was something about mashed yams being the first <laughs> lubricant. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I did like a whole sex history about like the origins of lubrication and lubricants. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mash yam. Yeah, I was like, I've never heard of such a thing, but okay. 
sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's good to have just a lot of open dialogue about it because mm-hmm. people like a sexologist, but I have noticed that it become more of a, for lack of a better word, a trendy thing. There's a lot of sexologists, sex therapists and things like that. People like that I see online mm-hmm. do different people specialize in different things. I know you said you specialize in pleasure oriented mm-hmm. sex yeah, um, topics. There, there are a lot that I even follow um, sex therapists and sexologists that, you know, maybe they're gearing more towards um, there's one that she has herpes. So a lot of her content is about awareness about herpes and mm-hmm. you know how to live with it, how to date, um, specifically catering towards, you know, clients that live with herpes. Um, there's another one that, you know, is more for pleasure for black women. And she does a lot of data and, um, research on anything sexuality or sexually based specifically for black women. Do you Um, know her name? If not, that's not off the top of my head. But um, if I do find it, I'll, I'll definitely send it to you because she's she's really good. She has a lot of good resources. Um, okay. But yeah, it, it's a pretty wide umbrella. It is like you can even though we're our own like niche mm-hmm. um, within you know therapy, sex therapy. There's still a lot of more specialization you can do to zero in on as well. Okay, and so zeroing in on pleasure oriented sex if people were more comfortable talking about it what would you talk about how to pleasure yourself and your partner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um whenever I would take on clientele for any solo or couple sessions um any sexual concerns that have to deal with lack of intimacy um, anything specific specific that they want to work on, um, it would be more pleasure-based. And then also, I'm an advocate for creating a pleasure-based comprehensive sex education program. So okay, that's another like aspect I like to um, emphasize on because whenever you learn about sex ed, it's not about pleasure at all. They, they, they it's more about reproduction reproductive health yes <laughs> okay much. and and that that creates you know a lot of women adult women that never have experienced an orgasm into their adult lives right or not it, knowing it to those things what is an orgasm how do I even know if I had one I've heard mm-hmm. people say that and I'm like that's not my area of expertise I'm like well um I don't know how to explain it but that's because I just don't have the language to explain it. Because first mm-hmm. of all, I never talked about it. How am I supposed to put, you know, verbiage to how that happens? So I think having the open dialogue is good. Do you know off the top of your head, it's probably on your page somewhere, the statistic of women who have orgasms? Because I know you don't always have or have to have an orgasm when you have sex? Um, you don't have to always have an orgasm every time you have sex. Um, so you're wanting to know the number of women. I mean, like, that- is it like half the time, most of the time, or do they most of the time not have one? 
So it depends because the percentage of women that orgasm through vaginal penetrative sex only is significantly lower than versus masturbation. So like, okay. I believe it's about 18.5 or 18.4% of women orgasm through vaginal penetrative sex only. So that's okay. not combined with clitoral stimulation or anything like that. Whereas um, 94% of women orgasm through masturbation. Okay. It's a significant difference, but you know, it just depends on the type of orgasm that you're going for as well. Cause there's multiple orgasms that you can have as a woman. Oh, okay. Explain. <laughs> so, um, you know, besides just penetrative vaginal only orgasms, um, clitoral stimulation orgasms, you also have nipple orgasms. And a lot of people really? like, that's one thing that I advocate for if someone's wanting, um, you know, to explore something a little bit different uh, when it comes to pleasure, solo play, or even partner play uh, when it comes to partner sex. I feel like it's an exciting thing to incorporate because there are a lot of nerves in mm-hmm. your nipples. Um, so, you know, just, and it's an erogenous zone as well. So focusing on stimulation in that area, you can actually orgasm from. Um, there's also anal orgasms, core orgasms, which is an orgasm you experience during exercise. Um, and <laughs> it's, it, it's a lot. It's about 24 different orgasms that you can really? experience. And I'm doing a whole wow. series on that coming up in the next two weeks. So okay. um, you can definitely get more details about that pretty soon yeah, as well. I did. I, I think it was on your page. I don't know about having an orgasm from exercise. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, a corgasm. Hmm. That's see, my goal is to learn something new every day. They say you learn something new every day. So I like a lot of facts and random stuff, but it's always useful when I'm talking to a client and then they ask me something out of the blue, like, how do you know if you had an orgasm? Well, I actually read somewhere. So, you know, all the useless information that comes in handy for me, but let me go ahead and just switch it over quickly to my doula hat. Mm-hmm. Sex is good. You know, the oxytocin hormone that's mm-hmm. released from sex. That's wonderful. It's good. It relaxes you. It helps contractions. It helps, you know, cause contractions and helps the baby come down and it helps with breastfeeding. It, you know, helps your milk with your milk let down. So you produce more milk. So, you know, it helps with the pain tolerance and it's just a mood boosting hormone. So Mm -hmm. it's good for your partner. If you're in the delivery room and you're all stressed out, you know, and there are actually pressure points on the body that can help produce that similar feeling. There's a spot like on your ankle, Somewhere. So there's different pressure points that doulas can use to help produce that same thing. But that's why people always say that's crazy how people always talk about sex, but don't talk about it. They say, Mm -hmm. oh, you're trying to get ready to have the baby have sex. People always say it, but you know, there's there's science that backs all of that up. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Yeah. So yeah, have sex. It's not going to hurt the baby. You know, nothing's going to be hitting the baby on the head and all that stuff. Just it's, do it. Like we, you, we both look at each other like, okay, that 
come on now. But a lot of people, they're concerned about things like that. Right. Because it makes sense logically if you're thinking about it, like, okay, the penis is in there, the baby's in there. And especially if the baby's big, it's like, well, isn't the baby right there? Well, technically, no, but <laughs> look, you're not that well endowed, first of all. Second of all, the babe, that's the whole point. You're trying to get the baby to come down. The baby's not there yet. <laughs> but you know, don't pay me no attention. But yeah, people think like that all the time. So, you know, sex is good. Sex is fun. And it's, Pe- it, it makes you healthier. It makes you healthier. It does. It boosts your immune system, literally. How many times have you heard people? Well, maybe it's just me and the people I hang around. Like, you know what? You need to get, she need to get some dick. She, that'll help her calm down. She needs some at right. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 But yeah, it does. I mean, you can it tell does. like, oh, she ain't had none in a while. I hear people say it all the time. But probably, yes, it will help her relax a little bit. And it does because it, it decreases the levels of cortisol, which is that stress hormone. Mm-hmm. And decreasing stress, I mean, that just naturally helps every other aspect of your body and your life. Honestly. Yes. Yeah. Like your muscles, you're all tense and just work dealing with people who get on your nerves Mm -hmm. if you just relaxed and calm down and I think that's one of the other biggest taboo things is women pleasuring themselves although Candy I knew her from Escape but the younger people know her from you know the Real Real Housewives Housewives. yeah when she started her own toy line in Mm -hmm. bedroom candy people were like oh my oh my goodness now it's like a household name. Everybody knows about bedroom candy. I got people on my timelines as distributors and selling different stuff and all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming more popular. I think before her, it was pure romance. Everybody was having these pure romance parties and talking about different gels and different things to pleasure yourself as a woman. But I've been to a couple and even still people were very uncomfortable with participating live but I guess online if you like yourself if you just ask questions it's easier for people to participate because Mm. I think your pace it's a shame-free zone yeah it's a a shame-free zone (laughs) yeah so you ask the question people answer but their name isn't attached to it Mm-hmm. Which is good because it does normalize it because then other people will say, oh, you know, I thought about that, too. I might be interested in that. And and it has because there are some people were um, there was one a, a Q&A that I did one day where a woman was saying that um, she hasn't experienced an orgasm. So she was asking for any tips on that or how mm-hmm. she can. And um, I think I had posted. Um, oh, I recommended a toy. Um, a sex toy and then I added the the shop and then I also um, let her know that she can reach out to me personally for any more like toys and tips and things like that and a couple mm-hmm. people actually like reached out said they also will want to you know help with the same thing and set up some um, consultation calls where um, I just gave okay. them like we had like a brief discussion then I would give them a detailed um, list of like tips and toys and whether they were looking for more uh, pleasures personally like solo or if they want to incorporate that in partnered sex okay I'm gonna keep the conversation short I might have to have you back on 
we can talk about other <laughs> things, but let's talk about quickly foreplay. Foreplay. Mm. Because it's important. <laughs> yeah, because that's especially as you get older, you don't always have the will, the drive, whether it's because you just got too much going on, you're just not in the mood, or you've gone through the change and you have more vaginal dryness, which if you didn't know, if people who are listening, if you didn't know, that is one of the things that happens with your body as you get older. Mm -hmm. So when you're like, well, I don't know, I don't like having sex anymore because it hurts. There's a reason for that. So men take note, you have to do a little extra work up front. No, it, it's it's really important because that foreplay, it gives you that ample amount of time in order to get everything flowing, lubricated, you know, um, and time for your body to catch up with your mind. Because you may be turned on, but you, physically, physiologically, you can't just jump into it. Right. And a lot of people, like, they just feel like they can just skip over that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe when you were 18 sure go just mm -hmm. go for it and it's funny you hear people say we schedule sex and people think it's weird but sometimes no now I know I got to get my mind right I'm focused on this <laughs> right now because as you get older there's there's life changes so you have yeah. work you have families you have other things that are going on to where when you were 18 you really didn't have much you yeah, could just be like, all right, this is what I want to do. Let's do it. Yeah. And because that's the thing, as you get older, being experimental can be more fun. Mm -hmm. You figure out, especially if you're around my age and older, you don't know what you like because nobody ever told you. You never tried different things. It's just missionary position. That's it. But, you know, with even just doing, your breast exam. Let your partner help. They like it. I'm sure they'd be more than happy to help you check. Mm -hmm. You know, let them let them go ahead and feel. If it's your partner, uh, even if you've been married for a long time, they know what it feels like. They know what your boobs yeah. feel like. Why not let them? Intimate. That promotes yeah. intimacy as well. Because in those yeah. long-term relationships, like a lot of things that, you know, people always, or one thing that you find um, and people in long-term relationships that have concerns is like low desire or, you know, they're like, what can I do to spice up the relationship? Because things aren't how they used to be. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times it really is just that increasing the intimacy in your relationship, because once you do that, it just naturally happens, honestly, like that desire and everything is there. So we'll close out with that. What can people do? Give us a couple of things that you can do to promote more intimacy into your relationship. Um, that can look like, or just intimacy without sex. That can look like, uh, ooh, sorry, that's my cat. <laughs> um, building intimacy in the, in the relationship um, without sex, that can look like, you know, putting the phones down, giving each other, you know, unwarranted attention you know um there's no distractions you can just have more uh, deep 
connections and conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. Also doing activities that your partners enjoy doing on their own. Um, You know, kind of just sharing that experience with your partner, whether that's, you know, cooking or checking out some music they like or going to an art exhibit that they're interested in, things like that, because your partner is looking at you like, oh, okay, you're actually, you know, this may not be something that you're personally interested in, but you're showing interest with me. Right. So a lot of people would enjoy that. Um, And then also just little things like cooking together, um, making a playlist together, um, and cuddling in bed, cuddling in bed, giving each other massages, things like that. Uh, It's a pretty long list. And, you know, some people may hear that and say, okay, that's pretty simple, but it really does go a long way because you get in these long-term relationships. Like we said, you know, life happens. There's a lot of things that go on in our everyday lives. So, you know, you kind of just forget to just do those little things. Yeah. And I think just in general, people don't focus on themselves, let alone their partner, because I think because of life, you're pretty much focused on just what you need to do, what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And the relationship falls at the bottom of the list, especially in a long-term relationship, your partner is there to help you. So you have to nurture that relationship just like any other one. And you'd be surprised how, like you said, that can go a long way. That might turn her on, be like, oh, he in here cooking. Okay. No, for real. Cause me personally, like I've been just in Target with my partner and he says something that I had told him like a few months ago that he just remembered while we were in the aisle. And now I'm turned on in Target. Like <laughs> <laughs> it really is that simple. Yeah. Yeah. And women, it's the same thing because, and that's a whole nother episode. I'm trying to figure out how to do love languages It's different for everybody. So mm-hmm. you really have to figure out what works in your relationship, just like everything else. Some things work, some don't. You just have to figure out what does and what doesn't. Most important thing is make it fun. You know, yeah. just because you're an adult doesn't mean you can't have fun. Being older, learning about sex, why not? It's fun because 